playoff implications and draft position implications are what surround the Texans matchup with the Browns this week. We're going to talk about that and more on this edition of the bullpen. Welcome to this edition of the bullpen. I am James Roy and this is Tom Chavaria and the Browns are coming to town. It's weird because they came to town last year. And so I was pretty sure, I don't know who's doing the scheduling or what happened, but um, we get to see them again this time without Deshaun Watson, who did not have a good go of it last year. So it's probably better for the Browns. Um, but who'd have thought the Texans would be playing the Browns in 2023 with Joe Flacco starting at quarterback? Not me. Now, I mean, there's a certain other team in the NFC North that maybe, but even then, at this point, I'm surprised Joe Flacco's still playing. But he's been playing really well. He's been he's elevated that offensive system. Um, do you think that the Texans' defense is going to expose him, or do you think that Joe Flacco is like the real deal so far this season? I believe that it's somewhere in the middle. I think that he is a serviceable quarterback, much like Case Keenum was last week. I think that. He probably will make a couple of mistakes. He'll probably make some plays and he'll probably score just enough for them to be in a football game. I do think he's 30 something, 38, 39, whatever. And I do think his best football is behind him. And I think if we can get, or the Texans, if the Texans can get the pass rush that they had in Tennessee and just bring that home, I think. Joe Flacco could be in for a long day because they had seven sacks and that's a lot for an old guy. Yeah. That it just brings up the same issues that other quarterbacks have had this season that are older in terms of like, you know, their durability. So that's certainly something that could become an issue. Um, do you think there's any other part of, is there any part of the Cleveland offense that's really worrisome for the Texans defense, like going into this game? For me, it's David and Joku, a tight end. He's become Flacco's favorite target. Uh, the Texans have struggled with tight ends in the past. Um, Amari Cooper is a name, and he had he had some big plays in this past week to where they turned around and won. Uh, he can be dangerous, but I like what the secondary has been able to do with some premium wide receivers. Uh, their run game, you know, it's got uh, Hunt and Ford and They've had some big games, but I mean, when we just saw the Texans absolutely, completely shut down Derrick Henry, I fear no running back from Cleveland. I hope I don't jinx anything, but you know. The Texans run defense has been premium. It has been one of the big reasons why this Texans defense has been able to perform as well as it has. Um, the past defense, on the other hand, has been wishy-washy. Um, and so I would say... That a good a good or above average Flacco game is more concerning than what the Browns can throw at us on the ground. Um, but I too am, am not trying to jinx what is happening with this Texans defense. Now, looking to the, the main thing that is is really concerning about this matchup with the Browns, the Browns defense is is number one in the league in total yards uh, per game, uh, just just number one in general in in a lot of categories. Um, at this point in this recording, we're not 
we haven't been given any confirmation that CJ Stroud plays this week. Do you think that CJ Stroud playing this week is the difference between having a chance at winning? Do you think it's the difference between the Texans winning or losing? How do you feel about that? I feel extremely confident that if he plays, they will win. I feel extremely uneasy if he doesn't. I understand using Case Keenum for a game, you know, getting through a, a Tennessee team that's not great defensively, but just average. I think that if we spot or the Texans spot Cleveland 13 points, so where they spotted Tennessee 13 points, they are not coming back in that game and winning that game. No. So zero chance. I think it's it's more than just CJ though. I really feel like Will Anderson needs to play. I really feel like Nico Collins needs to play. I feel like Jimmy Ward needs to play. I mean, there's so many names that you can just go down and down. Blake Cashman, like though all those guys would be great, like to make me feel better about a win. Um, we'll just have to see how it shakes out. Yeah, I agree with you. Blake Cashman, all the other names, you know are definitely vital. I think that CJ being back is a piece of the puzzle, but I think that Nico Collins returning for this offense is going to be a vital piece for, you know, what could could be a really important game. I mean, the implications of this game um looking relative to, you know, the Colts and Jaguars schedule, like I think that early on in the season the the thought was, you know, that the Texans could take a wild card spot and slip in. Um but but with the way things have shaped up, I think it's win out and then you might get a wild card spot or it might just be you know, honestly winning out gives you the division if the if the Jaguars lose or if you gain some tiebreakers on them. So realistically, we're looking at win win now, don't lose football. Um and that's to control your own destiny, right? Like this isn't we're not I mean, the Texans could lose a game and still make the playoffs, but like the odds of are drop significantly with a loss. So I think that it's vital to get CJ out there. Um, now there's been a school of thought that's been thrown around. It's common with these kind of things where people are like, well, if CJ gets cleared from concussion protocol, but isn't 100%, he shouldn't play. Do you agree with that train of thought? Or is it CJ's cleared to go send him out there? I don't think he has any other lingering issues other than the concussion. So I think if you're clearing him, it's saying that he's healthy enough or he's, He's over the concussion. So if you told me he had like an ankle or a hamstring or a knee and that was potentially risking the rest of his season, then yeah, absolutely. You sit him and you just run case back out there and hope, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he gets better with the added reps with, with more game action. Um, but in a perfect world, seven is under center because that's, that's the guy. He's the, the straw that stirs the drink, as they say. Yeah, and and I guess that brings up another point. So if if uh, Stroud is back and Collins doesn't play, Noah Brown has had a pretty had some stellar games. His his worst game probably was against the Jets, and that was a defense that kind of blanket covered him, like just just basically put a shroud over him and said no, not open. Um, so do you think that? The, the Browns defense is capable of this. They are a, a top tier defense. I think that the Jets secondary is touted as a, a bit better than the Browns secondary in terms of how they perform. But um, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? The more and more I watch the Texans, the more and more I think about how different the game was um, the, for the Jets week to week. 
I really put a lot of stock in the conditions of that field and the conditions weather-wise as to why the Texans played so poorly in New Jersey. I do believe there is something to seeing other guys get injured and playing like you're on eggshells. You know, a lot of guys went out of that game. I think when you think about a wide receiver and you see Nico goes down with a calf injury, now it's in the back of your head. Like, I got to be careful. Like, if I step the wrong way, I'm going to go down too. And then you see Noah Brown come in the next week and look like a totally different receiver. You spoke to the separation in our last episode. I think that's more indicative of them being able to feel comfortable in the environment where that game in New Jersey was just the worst possible conditions ever. And I've kind of like thrown that out and got that out of my head as far as holding the Texans to that. I know a lot of people want to be like, that was embarrassing. And then the more and more I think about how many people got hurt and how the offense just didn't seem, there was so disjointed. Like, I really feel like that whole team was just playing, you know, not to get hurt. Well, and outside of the first two weeks of the season, it's the only game the Texans have lost that has been a loss by more than one score. So I, I too would like to just remove it from my brain and not think about it. Um, but I, like, I think I said it last episode, um, the way Noah Brown performs if Nico Collins doesn't play or really just in general um, against this Browns defense is going to speak volumes to me about what the, the limiting factor is in his ability to excel and, uh, and perform at the, the level that we've seen him perform at uh, on a consistent basis. If, if he doesn't in this next game. So that's the main reason why I bring that up now looking to, Will Anderson. If, Will Anderson, I said last week that we were going to miss his presence on the line. Didn't really seem to be the case based off of the result. Um, granted, you know, watching whoever filled in on his side for a lot of the game kind of felt like his pressure presence was missed. Um, do, how vital do you think it is that he plays in this coming game? I feel like any game where that defensive front is whole, they're tough. They're so tough. You talk about seven sacks, and they got, I don't really feel like they got a whole lot of pressure at all from that side. It came from the middle, but it seems like they've never had this game where all of those guys were clicking together. Somebody was hurt, something, somebody was double teamed, whatever the case may be. And now you see like a game where if, if, if Will Anderson's in that game, they probably have 10 sacks. So, if you're telling me you can go into a game with Cleveland and just if you if you look at Tennessee, they they scored the 13 points and their offense was basically non-existent except for one drive. If you're going to tell me that uh, that uh, Cleveland cannot move the football because the pass rush is just amazing with four guys, it's going to be a long day. I mean, you saw some of the throws Will Levis was making. He, I mean, Sting could have had three picks in that game, like. I mean, there were plays where he was just chucking and praying, and that's that's kind of like what you hope for as a defense to put your corners in a, in a position where they can just go up and make a play, and they're the aggressors. They're the wide receivers. So if you put Will Anderson back in there with the way Grenard played and, and, and Rankins and Collins, I mean, it's a nasty front. Now, from what we've seen, Blake Cashman is likely to be absent. I'm pretty sure they said his injury is a couple weeks how vital do you think his absence is considering that we've talked about how Njoku has kind of been what has helped Joe Flacco along. 
Um, and a lot of times Cashman would probably be expected to pick up that assignment. So how, how big do you think his absence is in this coming game? That's going to depend on Christian uh, Harris. He played some amazing football in Tennessee. I mean, he was there was there was three or four different plays where they rolled Derrick Henry out into the flat, thinking, "Oh, we're just going to get him out of space, let him go." And Christian Harris was waiting on him, and and put his hat on him, and then let him know he was there. And if he's going to be able to do that with Njoku, who I think, I mean, he's a bigger guy, but I think he could match up with similarly. And then as far as the linebackers go, I feel like they're a little bit better. Uh, suited to handle the loss of Blake Cashman because their depth is better. You talk about a guy like Henry Toa Toa, Perryman, Harris. I think I think that the linebacking core is pretty solid. So I don't necessarily worry too much about. I mean, you miss Cashman, no question, and and he's probably your best coverage guy. But I feel really good about what Christian Harris did last week. Did you hear um, Christian Harris's new nickname? I did not. So someone on Twitter, I, I think it was, I and it's like J-A-I-R. How do you say that? Is it Hire or, or Jair Lopez? Either way, um, I he tweeted it and he said, you know, Derrick Henry's not allowed in Harris County. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no way. I love it. That's perfect. That's the perfect nickname. So from now on, from here on out, the bullpen has given the approval for that nickname from our end, not that it mattered, but but Tom and I are in agreement. I I can only assume by your reaction that Harris County is is the, an acceptable nickname for Christian Harris. So be on the lookout. Go Harris ahead. County strict man. Everybody that lives in it knows it. <laughs> yeah, Harris County. I mean, you can't. I don't know. Not not everything flies in Harris County. Nope. It, uh, so. <laughs> Uh, I I just wanted to bring that up because you mentioned Christian Harris. Um, going back to the offensive side of the ball for the Texans, Singletary had a breakout game, um, and you and you said it last week. I mean, there was some good blocking. The Titans aren't necessarily the strongest run blocking team. They they were middle ground. I want to say 17th in the league. Um, this Browns defense is a stonewall defensive front. So how important is it going to be? Do you think? There's constantly this back and forth debate between Texans fans this season about like, do we want to commit to the run and establish it? Is it is it about letting CJ cook to open up the run? Is the run really important if CJ's cooking? And so, how do you think the approach to the run game is going to go based on the fact that this Browns defense is just so incredibly stout? I think initially they're gonna they're gonna go to it. I, I you know, when when uh, D'Amico started early on, you know, talking about what he wanted his team to be able to do. He wanted balance. He wanted to be able to run the football, play good defense, you know, control the clock. Those are things that D'Amico said were his pillars, his staples. I don't see that changing. I don't think he saw C.J. Stroud being this dynamic, this early, this fast. But I think at least early on in any game, you're going to see him be committed to the run until he does, until he has to abandon it or at least get away from it. And I think in a game like this, one of the things that I think they can do to effectively kind of run the football, if you will, is use the screen game. I think that Singletary is awesome in the screen. You get him out into space and just let him be shifty. 100%. And, and those are things I don't think we see enough of. And when we do, it's like, wow, why don't we run that play more? Because he's wide open and... It's a 10-yard run or something like that. So I think that's something that could be very successful, especially on an aggressive attacking defense that's probably going to headhunt a little bit. 
I think that, you know, the screen game, if they can get it going, it's going to be so hard to stop with Singletary. 100%. I think the the deeper point, and you touched on it, is getting Singletary out in space. I mean, that's the big part of it. Now, looking to last week, and it just highlights a problem that I think a lot of people have had, myself included, at times with the way Bobby Slowick calls plays, is that you open up you know, the last drive of the game and you hand it to Singletary and Singletary runs for 20 yards and then you proceed to throw the ball with Case Keenum three times in a row and then not look back to the player who's doing well. And then you have other games where you hand the ball to Damian Pierce up the middle twice and then you hand it outside to Devin Singletary and you don't get the yards you need and you're like, I wonder why this isn't working. Why It's like, I, I feel like there's high potential for him to just like, Play, think he's playing. I don't know if he thinks he's playing the hot hand, but sometimes it feels like the play calling is like this person did really good. Let's not look to them ever again. Um, and so I, I think the general mentality. I think early on in the season, Texans fans were like, "Oh, he might lose Bobby Slowick to like another head coaching gig." But I think he needs another year or two to hone his play calling abilities. And it's situations like that that I think have have cemented that. I personally never thought that he was at risk of leaving the staff this offseason, though some other teams and other, you know, other teams fans on Twitter have said, I like what Bobby Slowick's doing out in Houston. Um, but that I don't think is indicative of his marketability for a future, you know, head coaching job. So I that's what makes me raise the question of of how he's going to utilize the run game against the difficult defenses is how he's shown historically to uh to call plays without keeping the hot hand in mind. Um, and it's all situational. I mean, you know, so it, I'm not an NFL offensive coordinator. It's just what I've seen. So take take it with a grain of salt. Um, special teams. It's nice to have Kaimi Fairbairn back. And you know me, I love saying Kaimi Fairbairn's name because he has been such an instrumental part of this Texan season. Um, do you think that, that the game comes down to him? Or do you think that the Texans figure it out, figure out this Browns defense and create a game that's just wide open? I think that highly depends on who plays and who doesn't. I, I'd love to tell you that CJ plays, Nico plays, Will plays, and they win 30 to 13. I'd love to tell you that because I think that that's a an outcome that could happen if they play in their building, high energy, come right down. I'm not going to steal your storybook ending. I won't do it, but... You know, I'll, I'll allude to it a little bit, and and they just they ball out. I mean, they could. However, it could also be Case Keenum out there. It could be uh, a defensive battle where it's three three in the fourth quarter or something like that, and Kaimi's got to make a fifty five yarder. I don't know. It's really going to depend on what we see, who who suits up on Sunday. I do want to get back to the Bobby Slowick thing because I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair. Oh, okay. This is a rookie. This is a rookie offensive coordinator, first year calling, and I think the fan base as a whole holds him to an incredibly high standard. I because he's shown he can meet it. Doesn't work like that. You 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 show up. You show up to a new job. You do some stuff that you know they didn't expect you to do. They, you still get to be the new guy. Like you don't get to not be the new guy. I think that uh, Bobby Slowick has got to be allowed to make some mistakes. I mean, I get it. He's, he's done fantastic. And I think you're right. I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think he wants to go anywhere. I don't think people are going to call him and interview him 
with one year of, of uh, offensive coordinator under his belt and go, you know what? Let's make him the coach. No, no, they're going to, they're going to want to see him like put together a system and then potentially, I, as I say that D'Amico wasn't a defensive coordinator that long, but um, it was two think, years, which I think is the amount of time. I, I mean, I agree with you. I agree that, that the standards high and it is, and that's why, I, that's why I love having you here, Tom, to knock me back down to earth. You know, when I, when I get on this, you know, it's happened once it can happen again. And then you go, James, James, he's, he's a first year offensive coordinator. You've had to do that with me over CJ too. And, and I see that. I mean, I understand that he, he's fresh. He's new. Sometimes I don't think about it when I talk about him, but that's, I think that's a good thing. I think that when we're talking about guys like that, we're not going to get him fired over this. Like me talking about him this way. It just shows that I have that confidence in him to do his job because he's done it at that level before. Now it, when he gets to the point where he's doing it consistently and then he falls short, that's when it's a problem right now. It's not a problem. It's just, it's just the expectation in the short term has risen so high because of how many times he's shown that he can do the job properly and correctly and, you know, lead, you know, engineer comeback drives, engineer, you know, an offense that functions on all eight cylinders and just really just pumps out the horsepower. So I, that's where I'm coming from on that, but and, I'm glad. Oh, no, you and got. I feel like year three, it's a totally different conversation. I'm right there with you holding him to the highest standard. Look, you've been doing this. For two years now, you've had amazing success. Now we need to hold you to that higher standard. I mean, 12 games or 13 games into his offensive coordinator career, and we're going to go, bro, you can't make this mistake here. <sighs> it's the same thing with CJ. I, I, You know, CJ didn't have a great game in, in Jersey. And we would have tested that before he got, before he got nicked up. It was going to be probably the worst. I mean, I guess you'd call it the worst game of his career. Uh, 100%. 100%. But, I mean, he didn't finish it, so who knows. But I, I can't say, well, he shouldn't have a game like that because he's been balling out all season. Anybody that does that, uh, I kind of feel like there's got to be some give, man. I mean, for me, you know, Mahomes will have a bad game. Allen will have a bad game. Dak will have a bad game. And, and, and fans will come for them. And I, you know what? Part of me is like, okay, this is six-year, seven-year Dak or whatever. You know, we're talking about 13-game CJ. You know, like, come on. Let, let me get him a season under his belt. No, yeah, I agree. Like I said, thank you for, for always reminding me of that. I need it. But you did bring up the storybook ending, and I think it's as good a time as any to get into our predictions for this week. So I'd like to hear... What are your thoughts on how this game's going to end up? Well, I have to I have to decide who's going to play in it. And that's going to be so tough because I well, want them a, all to play. Give a prediction based off both. Okay. If we get CJ Stroud and we get Nico Collins and we get Will Anderson, we get those three, 30 to 13. That, that, I love that number. I think they go out and they ball out. I think that it is clear you know, that, that that locker room is on fire right now. I don't know if you saw the the Jimmy Ward giving the, the pregame speech on, on CBS before the game where he's like, you know, I'm angry. I'm ticked that's off. Him, that's him. That's always him. He's just I, I love on that. it. But but you know what I mean? Like that's that's what they need. We're 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 eight and six, you know, like he was in there, we're seven and six. And he's like, I've been doubted my whole life. You know, the whole thing for everybody who hadn't seen it, please go look it up. I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. 
I, I mean, you you give me you give me seven back, you give me Will Anderson back, and you think they're not going to be fired up to go play? Oh man, I think they put up some great numbers. On the flip side, if we get Case and we get uh, who'd you say Sanders, and yeah. we get and we get uh, I guess Bobby Trees and Noah Brown, then it's probably going to be like. 16 13 or something like that or or you know maybe maybe it's 20 to 17 i don't know it's 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 a field goal at that point all right yeah no i i agree with that um if i if we have cj and like most of the guys back i i'm gonna go with like uh 17 to 10 for the texans um if we don't i probably drop it down to like 13 i'm trying to find the difference there 13 to 10 because I feel like the you know the defense is pretty I don't know pretty consistent in that I, I I'm mainly just looking at the difference in the offense based off of who's back from injury and who's not so you're saying CJ Nico and will equal four points something like that I mean that's about where I'm at I I I just I don't want to and this is the same dilemma that you run into like last week with the Titans but on a, a larger scale, which is that people looked at the injuries and, and who was playing and they didn't want to like just disrespect the Titans and just be like, oh, well, we're just going to go out there and spank them, you know, without CJ. So, but with, even with CJ against this Browns defense, I'm not going to go out there and say that we're going to crush him. I'd love for your score prediction to come to fruition. Um, but that's just, you know, I don't know. I don't see it happening that way. So, uh, yeah, and then without or so yeah, without them 13 to 10 with 17 to 10. Um the storybook ending is pretty similar. Um it's you know, 2 minutes left in the game, Texans get the ball back. Um and you know, if it's CJ, CJ's just, you know, we're singletary singletary, you know, we're running the clock down the the Browns try and stop it. We get a first down and we're we're running eating through the clock and then with like um 45 seconds left, a minute 45, something like that. Um, CJ drops back and just unloads one to Noah Brown and just puts a touchdown up. Just, you know, no, d- doesn't really, there wasn't what was drawn up. CJ had to scramble and get out there and Noah Brown just catches and opens pocket and just gets out there. Um, if, if it's case, it's similar to last week. It's like one big play to Singletary. And then we're like sitting there meandering and then Fairbairn has to kick like a 60 yard field goal to win the game. So that's 60. 60. Yeah, I just got it. It's that's you know the Hollywood in me adding a little shock value, probably closer to 55, 54, what he did last week. I mean, he's in the dome, he's in NRG, and I hope he's kicking it at me because that'll be pretty cool. But <laughs> yeah, that's wild. No, yeah, I, I hate to be give such a boring storybook ending, but like that with the score that I've given, it's just hard to do anything, anything other than that to me. So yeah, on that note, do, do you have any? Any final thoughts before we close it out? Well, first off, I'd like to say that I think Nico Collins and CJ Stroud are equal to two touchdowns. Whatever your score is, you put two scores up when you have those guys in the offense. And I mean, then you talk about Will Anderson. I mean, he's just, he's been a beast all year. I think he's great. So if they they get those three guys back, I feel supremely confident. And I I hope I didn't jinx anything. Supremely confident in the Texans to get a dub, whatever the score is. Um, I'm still very confident in the guys backing them up because they showed it 
at Tennessee to go on the road, hostile environment with all the uniform stuff and all the things that could have like got in the way. I mean, they had Earl Campbell and Eddie George on the sideline, you know, like Tennessee had every excuse to win and the Texans still went out there and got it after spotting them 13 points. Now you bring them back home in our, in the NRG home, home cooking, you know, I I think the place is going to be a zoo. I think this city is getting fired up for these Texans. I think it's going to be sold out and they should feed off that energy. I I agree with you. Like I said, it's more of a respect to the Browns defense than anything else. Um, I just, I don't know. I I like to think that this one's going to be a competition, but I'd like to see it play out like like you're saying. Um, I I do. I'd like to see CJ back and I'd like to see this game just not even be close. And I've said that about every game, and every game's been close, except for the Jets game I said that about, and it, it wasn't close at all. Um, so on that note, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Um, this has been The Bullpen. I've been James Roy. That's been Tom. Uh, you can find Tom on X at uh, you know Third Coast Tom. Um, but if you call it X to his face, he will, he will throw out his boomer rage on you. I'll look and, at you funny. Uh, um, and then I'm N1 Texans fan, uh, and you can find me on social media at that. That's also how you can find the YouTube channel if you're listening on uh, Spotify or Apple Music. And if you're watching Spotify and Apple Music, that's where you can find it if you want to listen. Um, thanks for tuning in, and uh, vamos Texans. Thanks for tuning into The Bullpen, a Texans podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. Please like, comment, subscribe, and follow along for more Texans talk from The Bullpen. Pick the hand up. Stroud looking. Stroud.